<laughs> yeah, I think I've told you this, but you know, when we left the church in Gardendale 30 years ago, you know, we'd been there like eight years, and it was a great church. And yeah, they called Cindy and I up on stage, you know, to give us our our you know farewell gift, and it was a set of pink golf clubs. <laughs> So Cindy was she hadn't she, forgotten that she hadn't forgotten that since. <laughs> like they gave great. you they gave, a yeah. set of golf clubs, yeah. they gave me nothing. <laughs> it's time alone for her, though, you know. Yeah, so I've said whatever the church, whatever the church does for me when I finish here, it better not be golf clubs. <laughs> I'll try to put a word in. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Sunday was a great day, man. Um, I know we've been praying and moving toward that for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when you first came two years ago, and I said, okay, here's where we are. You know, you're teaching pastor, but I really want you to become the pastor. Yeah. But how we get from point A to point B, we're just going to kind of have to leave that up to God. and Because uh, I really didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. Right, absolutely. But... Uh, I just appreciate the fact that you came in and you were patient and you were uh, willing to do whatever, you know, you were asked to do, what God led you to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you really are a man of faith and patience, and that's what I've appreciated about you during this time. So I don't know if you remember this or not. You probably do because you remember everything. Um, but Sure, Carl. Uh, remember everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, you seriously remember every de- detail. But so you remember when we were going through the process to come here? And I was still skeptical a little bit because I didn't understand what was going on, really. Um, and it was at your dinner table. It was actually at your kitchen table, not your dining room table, but your kitchen table. It was just me, Katie, you, and Cindy. And, and I told you, and I said to Miss Cindy, I said, I really believe that God is calling me to be a senior pastor. Like, I believe that. And Katie believes that. And and I said, do you think that's wise? If that's my calling, do you think that I should make this transition? Do you remember what you said? Uh, no. <laughs> you said I remember everything. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't, but I'll follow up after you tell me. Well, this is what you said to me because I remember it because it was a changing point for us. It was really that turning point for Katie and I both to hear you and Cindy say that. You told me, you said, we can hire a teaching pastor. From anywhere, but we really believe that we need to hire a senior pastor. Do you believe? Do you, do you remember? Okay, that? I do remember that because um, see that makes sense. We we're sitting on our back porch just maybe a week ago. Yeah, and Cindy and I were talking, and she said that it was that night that they had dinner with us here in the kitchen around the table. She yeah. said that's when I knew that Michael would be the next pastor. What? Cindy said that. Cindy said that. Yeah, well, I didn't know that. Well, I'm telling you now, that's, 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 that's what cool. she said. Um, so she's the prophetess in all of this. She definitely is a prophetess. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's predicted a lot of things. <laughs> well, so all of our skepticism that Katie and I ever had, anything that was kind of pulling us maybe a different direction, the Lord just used that night. Um, what, what I believe, you know, for me personally, is that I think the Lord put me and you together that night. And just kind of put us on the same page. And there was there was no expectation from me because I knew that 
nothing was guaranteed. I knew that. And you told me that. The church told me that. I mean, there's nothing guaranteed. Um, but I knew that God was calling me to be a senior pastor. But but this is what I knew because I, I walked away from that. Um, I mean, I get emotional just <laughs> thinking about that night, seriously, because God used that to, to call me here and Katie because we walked away from your kitchen. And I told Katie this. I said, whether I'm the senior pastor here or not, that's a man I want to learn from. That, and that's what changed everything for us. It's because we, we saw the way you and Cindy acted. I mean, uh, Cindy was just as real as it gets. Um, you were just as real as it gets. And I just remember thinking, if, if there's a pastor I want to learn under, even if it's not here at Green Acres, if God uses this to launch us somewhere else, then that is a man I want to learn under. And that's really what changed everything was that night. Well, and, you know, I've, I've said before, but I, I do appreciate your patience. And we did talk to some guys for the teaching pastor position. You know this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because we couldn't say, okay, we guarantee that when I retire, you'll be the pastor. Because we weren't ready to say that. And so we actually had one guy just says, well, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't come without that promise that I'm going to be the pastor. Yeah. And, you know, I look back on that that search for you as teaching pastor and that group of people they realized that they were calling not just a preacher to preach and resonate. Right. They realized that was, they called themselves a search committee of a generation. That's their language, not mine. Yeah. Because they believed that they weren't just searching for a pastor to preach and resonate, but the next senior pastor of the church. And the reason it was not guaranteed in the job description is, you know, what if we had gotten someone that was not a Michael Gossett? What if we had gotten someone who came in and maybe they were a good preacher, but there were other areas of their lives that we just said, hey, that they're not a fit here. Uh, it's a good thing we didn't guarantee this. Right. But, um, you know, for two years, that's all you've done. Just be yourself and, you know, been the kind of guy that the folks here love. And, you know, you love the folks here. So, you know, it's just worked out perfectly as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, you've, you've been on a two-year job interview. <laughs> somebody, uh, some have told me that, yeah. <laughs> before last Sunday, somebody asked me, said, are we going to vote on somebody without hearing him preach a trial sermon? <laughs> so well, he's already preached 50 or 60 trial yeah. sermons. So, uh, yeah. so I think it's a cool process, and it's uh, unlike anything I've ever had in my life. And, you know, I don't want you to stay here until you retire. That's the So goal. hopefully you won't ever have to go through the— the kind of the uncomfortable process of yeah. dealing with a pastor search committee because it's a it's a weird feeling. Well, our pastor search committee was was uncomfortable enough. All right, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> they were great. Uh, so, tell me this: what? Because I don't think anybody really could have wrote down this plan the way that it really came about. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe you are the hidden genius that's behind the curtain pulling all these strings, but uh, I really feel like that you did just leave this up to the Lord. Um, tell us, I mean, walk us through that. I mean, is well, this how you envisioned everything working out? Well, not at the beginning. Right. Because at the beginning, we had like several options, several pathways. And one pathway was let's change the bylaws that yeah. say that we can move a current associate pastor into the role of pastor. And I thought, well, that's kind of a hassle to change bylaws. And and then I thought, well, let's just uh, 
create a position co-pastor that mm -hmm. for a while you and I would be co-pastor, but yeah. um, didn't feel good about that. And I can remember seeking the counsel of, you know, some of the foreman chairman of the deacons. You know, there's about right. 12 of those guys that I meet with every now and then when I really want to get some wisdom. And they basically just said, hey, let's just let's just follow the bylaws. Just, you know, sometime in the past, God gave this congregation the idea that this is how the sh church should operate. So let's trust them and let's trust that the Lord was behind that. And so that was when a light clicked. And I think we talked about that. We did. When I said, okay, well, hey, let's just follow the bylaws and trust God to work through that process. Yeah. And then, of, of course, it was kind of a kind of a squirrely process to elect that, you know, search committee the way sure. the bylaws yeah, stipulated right. with a secret ballot with 12 n names and you elect six with two alternates. Um, if I had been writing the process, I wouldn't have done it that way, but I didn't write it. Yeah. But we trusted it. And then that group that became the pastor search committee, I mean, they we couldn't have selected better, more godly people in the church. And and then, you know, I decided at that point that I'm not going to interfere. I'm right. not going to say, hey, Michael's the one you better, you better call Michael. Um, I let them do their work. Yeah. You know, and they interviewed so many of the staff and so many of the other leaders in the church. And uh, the word I got, because I wasn't in those meetings, but, but right. Larry Dixon told me that just Every single person said, you know, Michael's the guy, Michael's the guy, Michael's the guy. And of course, when they interviewed me, I said, Michael's the guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said, you know, I can't think of anybody uh, anywhere that would be a better pastor for Green Acres than Michael. And so I really do see the hand of the Lord working through all that. It was right. not any kind of human manipulation, although there was maybe a temptation to try to take control and somehow manipulate the process. It, it, it was not me manipulated. Sunday night when we had the vote, boy, that was a cool experience. I mean, just the atmosphere in that room Man. when we were worshiping and then you and your family came in, that was just awesome. So uh, I'm always going to remember that. Uh, well, yeah, us too. I mean, that that moment that, that you came and told us the news, uh, that was a powerful moment for me and Katie, obviously. And you know, our oldest, Riley, she understood what was going on. So she was immediately excited. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, because she was thinking, well, am I going to have to move schools again? <laughs> so, uh, no, 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 just everybody calm down. Um, but, I, you know, I tell you, um, it, your humility has been on display since day one, not just through the last few months, because like you said, it would be so easy. I mean, because it is a temptation for us to, to attempt to manipulate or to control things. And I promise you, I had my fair share of you know, temptation to manipul manipulate things and, and, and try to weave in and weave out. But I'll tell you, one of the things that I learned from you is what you told me about when you came here. You know, you're sharing with me the horror stories of your transition and just uh, really almost how demonic some of those things were that took place and how divisive it was in the church. And, and listen, this is, this is the Lord's bride and um, that should never take place, but it did. And, but you told me this, you said, I, I had two options. I should, I could speak out and defend myself on, on everything that, that people were saying and throwing against us. But then you were convicted one day. And that if, if the Lord is going to fight your battles, 
then that means that you can't. And so what, what switched for you? I mean, you've told that story before, but um, do you remember telling me that? Yeah. And I've told it before to uh, different groups of people, but you know, it was okay if people attacked me, but when they were attacking my wife and my daughters, just saying all these, you know, just untrue but unkind things about them, you know, that's when I really wanted to to step in there and yeah, pull out the sword. But uh, I was really reading that passage, you know, where Jesus was in the garden and Simon Peter pulled out his sword. That's right. And Jesus said, you know, hey, Simon, put up your sword. And this is my paraphrase. He says, you know, I'm about to do something really big here, like redeem the world, and you're messing it up. You're, you're making <laughs> yeah. a bloody mess of it, so yeah. put your sword away. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord convicted me that, uh, well, okay, I'll just put my sword away because I think God is up to something bigger here. Mm-hmm. And so once I made that decision, then it was just from then on, just, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And, you know, and, and so that only was for about maybe three years it was really bad here. Yeah. And so only three years. Only three years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I often say it takes a pastor about three years really to kind of earn sort of what I call leadership equity. And the good news is that bad news is you're not going to have a honeymoon. Most new pastors yeah. have a honeymoon, but it's not all that much honey, you know. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> but you're already you know are known and loved in the church, so it's not like people in the church are saying, "Well, now we got to see what this." Michael Gossett's up to, yeah. they won't be saying that because they already know what you're up to. I mean, there's there's nothing, there's no hidden agenda. It's just they know you. So, And if if God answered any prayer of mine, it w- was that the church would not go through a messy transition mm. because I know just from experience and watching other churches, and you do too, right? how at a transition time, that's the time the devil really tries to get in and divide the church. Yeah. And so... I, I don't think the devil's really happy right now. Yeah, which means we we better watch out because he's going to be going to be after us because um, we have avoided his uh, his trap so, so far. Absolutely. You know, for me, uh, I am absolutely excited about the future, and primarily, um, I I really feel like because of your leadership and just what an incredible church of green acres already is i feel like you have really cheated the system and you've put me all the way on third base i mean i feel like i mean because i didn't have to hit the ball you already did and you know and that gives me a lot of excitement and it gives me just this thrill of knowing that there's already such a foundation because not every pastor gets that you know not every pastor gets to walk into a church that's healthy that's unified, um, that's in a healthy financial situation, that's in a healthy spiritual situation. But because of the last 30 years of what God has done through you and through Miss Cindy, that those, those things, there's a clear, good foundation that has already been built. And, and I feel like I've, I mean, it's unfair that, <laughs> that God has put me on third base uh, because of you and I get to stand on your shoulders, which is completely unfair. Um, but I, I'm I'm so thrilled that there's not a foundation that has to be corrected. You know, f- for me, right? That's unbelievable. Well, you know, you say it's unfair, but it's grace. 
Yeah, that's right. And grace is unfair. Amen. You know, like that story Jesus told about the workers in the vineyard. That's right. You know, some of them came in at 6 a.m. and some of them came in at 5 p.m. And then when the uh, boss started paying the workers, he paid <laughs> the ones that came in at 4 p.m. the same amount as the ones that got came in at 6 a.m. And those yeah. guys said, hey, this is not fair. Yeah. Well, no, it's not fair. It's just grace. And so, I mean, everything that God gives us is grace and, and any kind of foundation that you have and then get to step on, you know, it's nothing I've done. It's just the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd probably be a good time to talk a little bit about this because you and I have talked about it, but I don't think the church has heard a lot about it. And it is the possibility that I will become pastor emeritus. Yeah. And at this point, you know, that's really up to you. We, yeah. we have talked about it, but I didn't want to make that sort of a condition for people. I didn't want to say, okay, now if you elect... If you call Michael, then I might be Pastor Emeritus. Right. I didn't want to say, if it's not Michael, I won't be Pastor Emeritus, which was the truth. <laughs> but there is a possibility that, that you and Jeff can work out a plan for, for me to be Pastor Emeritus, uh, even after I retire. And what yeah. that means is I'm I'm just totally available not to insert myself anywhere, but I'm available to help with any kind of uh, pastoral care or any kind of advice that you might ever want. But uh, I would never give unsolicited advice. I mean, I would never, like, call you up and say, hey, Michael, I think you ought to do this. No. Would- well, you know, the search committee, when when I was going through the process interviewing with the search committee, they asked me that question. They said, well, what do you think about uh, Pastor David becoming Pastor Emeritus? Would you be for that or what? And I told them, I said, guys, um, whether we call Pastor David to be Pastor Emeritus He's going to be Pastor Emeritus because he's been the pastor for 30 years. And so for all of the people who are in the church, that is their pastor. And so he's going to become Pastor Emeritus, whether whether we elect him to do so or not. And so for me personally, um, there is one man that I know of personally that I would want to be Pastor Emeritus, and that is absolutely you, because... Um, you know, you do hear of stories about how that is not healthy. Um, I would like to think that you and I have been on very healthy terms these past two years already. And you have done nothing but show uh, humility and grace toward me in ways that is completely undeserved. And and so I am 100% on board with you being Pastor Maris because I think it's going to help the church. You see, it's not about me, and it's not about Pastor David. It is about what is best for the church. And I truly believe that you as Pastor Emeritus is healthy for the church moving forward. So that's just my two cents. I could be wrong. but Well, I mean, I'm interested in that. In fact, as we put together a job description, I want one of the things on the job description to be stated that I will not entertain any criticism of the church whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I mean that. I mean, if some, I want people to know that if something's going on that they don't like, I don't want them coming to me. <laughs> I, I'm not going to listen. You Can know? I also put that in my job description? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it doesn't work that way, does it? <laughs> I'll tell them to call Miss Cindy. No, That's what it, I'll do. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of funny, you know, through the years, I haven't gotten a whole lot of criticism. Once I let people know that I don't read anonymous letters, they stop writing them. Huh. I mean, because I remember one time years ago, I said, hey, you know, some of you have written me letters and not signed your name. And I just want you to know that I always 
can recognize those envelopes, you know, no return address. And then I'll open it up and it'll, the last, I'll see who wrote it and it'll say, a concerned church member. <laughs> and then I'll just say, I don't even read the letter. I just tear it up and throw it away. Yeah. I guess once people know that you're not reading it, they don't write them anymore. So. You know what? That's good advice for me. So, yeah, I, I think I'll that, continue that tradition of well, green I mean, After that, they sign their name, but at least I know who I'm talking to. That's and, right. That's right. And if I ever have gotten a word of criticism, I've always tried to respond with grace and kindness to those people and say, well, let's talk this out and uh, help me understand where you're coming from. It, absolutely. And look, let's just face it. I mean, change is inevitable. And so, therefore... Uh, criticism is the closest cousin to change, I think, mm-hmm. and um, or at least some type of near relative somewhere. Um, but it is almost inevitable that that we'll experience change. Um, we'll experience criticism. But what what is your wisdom to maybe me or the church of you know how do we respond to change? Um, change is inevitable, and. You said criticism is related. It's probably the crazy aunt, you know, that <laughs> only shows up at family yeah. reunions and you try to get away from it. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, you're, you're never going to please all the people. No way you can please all the people. So at the end of the day, you just try to please God. Just mm-hmm. know that he's the one that you're going to have to give an account to. Um, somebody said nobody likes change except a baby with a dirty diaper, but even they cry about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's a good saying. So, you know, don't ever be afraid to change, um, you know, because if God God says, behold, I do a new thing, Mm. you know, I think uh, the status quo is nothing to quote about, you know. In other words, we things are changing. The church is changing. And, And one of the greatest things about this whole transition is my heart has been burdened for, you know, your generation, you know, I, I'm of the baby boomer generation, and we were the we were the lump in the snake that went all the way down from the time we were baby boomers as high school that were full in colleges, and yeah. and now the millennial generation is much larger mm-hmm. than the baby boomers. Yeah, and there's a just a ton of people out there that you know just because of my age and my background and my experience, you know, I'm not going to be able to relate to them the way you can and do relate to them. So. You know, it's it's a generational change and a generational transition, and I'm just really thrilled to you know to pass the baton on to you because I know that you're going to be able to reach a lot more folks of that age than I ever could. So, mm. you know, well, you know, I read an interesting fact right now, just in the city of Tyler, the the median age is thirty five point three. Thirty five point three. I didn't know that, and but we also know another stat just in the city of Tyler, that those who claim no religious affiliation, meaning Catholic or any other denomination, uh, is 29% wow. of the city of Tyler that says, I have no religious affiliation whatsoever. And so for me, you know, change is inevitable, but the vision is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the foundation that I'm talking about with Green Acres, that that we get to continue to drive on this highway that Green Acres has already built. And it's going in the same direction that we want to reach people for Jesus. And that's it. And, you know, that's so different. Those numbers are different than like, I remember the mid 90s, we did a big community wide survey. Mm. I mean, it was like a door to door thing where we'd ask these you know questions and 
We found out then that about 80% of people in Tyler had some kind of affiliation with a local church or wow. or place of worship. And so now you're saying it's like 30% that are totally right at 30 totally unchurched. So yeah, I knew that was growing. Um I just didn't know the numbers, so yeah. You're coming along at a great time. Well, I believe in the vision of Green Acres and I believe that in the mission that God has given us and that's all I want to do. Well, and you know the the advice I've given you before and I keep giving you is you know, take the work very seriously, take the call very seriously, but, you know, don't take yourself seriously. Yeah. I mean, you know, keep a smile, keep a sense of humor, be quick to laugh. And the thing I like about Green Acres, and people have told me this, that it's a happy church. Yeah. You know, it's it's an open, welcoming church. And so, um, and I think you've got that kind of personality that will continue to do that, uh, have that kind of welcoming, happy atmosphere. So... Just you, you got great days in front of you. Well, I just want you to know I love you, and I just appreciate so much the past two years that you have given me. I mean, it's completely undeserved. And you, I mean, we've been in your office a lot together. We've listened to, you've had to listen to some really bad sermons of mine and give me some. No, I can't remember <laughs> a single bad sermon. I really can't. You're always so gracious. I, I tell Katie all the time, I said, uh, Pastor David can can correct me and coach me and teach me, and it always sounds just so sweet. I mean, I don't know how he does it, but so you're just so gracious to to give me that coaching, and uh, I'm just forever grateful for your well, leadership. Well, I mean, when you came, you were a good preacher, but you're a better preacher now. I hope so. And I can say without a doubt that you're a better preacher at 33 than I was when I was 33 years old. Uh, you know, I, I was, I've told you this before and laughed about it, that when I was in my early 30s, I was a yeller. I mean, you know what that is? It's a, oh, yeah. A yeller is somebody who starts out loud and then gets louder. <laughs> I, mean, I, I would pound the pulpit. Yeah. I, I would literally pound the pulpit. I would love to see some of those videos. <laughs> well, hopefully they're not on them around anymore. Uh, I know that we, one church I served, we had the little sound control in the pulpit yeah. itself because in other words i control the sound oh wow and you know they had some kind of reverb thing that if you shook it too hard you know it would just kind of go boom, 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 boom. and so one time i hit the pulpit so hard boom, 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 boom. i woke up everybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good wake-up call right yeah, yeah that's yeah. good so um but you know, besides preaching and teaching, you know, you got the other gifts. You you just got a great personality. You love people; they love you. You got great vision. You know, you're a lot better organizer than I ever was. I mean, I used to joke that I couldn't organize a two car funeral procession. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to organization that. and, and things like that, that you, you've got a lot greater gifts than I have. Because uh, you did that in your last church, really. You, you were forced to at New Beginnings to sort of do the administration yeah. of the church. And then, and I've really never had to do that really as a, as a pastor. So you're a lot more gifted than, that, than I am. And, um, you know, I love you too, like a son, like a brother. And I'm looking forward to the next few years to see what God does through you. And uh, I'm looking forward to being on the sidelines and being your head cheerleader. Yeah. Well, I definitely appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode and joining in on our conversation. If you liked what you heard or you want to know more about Green Acres, go check out our website at GABC.org or follow us on Instagram at GABC underscore Tyler. Have a great day.